Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Match of the Day without porn noises to my Match of the Day with porn noises. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, where does that rank on the greatest moments in football for you? It's it's incredibly high. It's as far as awkward um awkward pranks go it's it's just unreal um and we've all we've all been victim of it as well in really uncomfortable events whether you're on the bus train um on the tube or just sat around with family and you clicked on a video an unsuspecting video no less and it's caught you out we've, we've all we've all been there and it's horrible it's horrible i can only imagine how, how awkward it was in this studio the thing is that noise now it's it's the same noise that gets used in every yeah. single prank at this point. So even if I see someone else get done by that prank, I instantly know what's happened on their phone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not watching porn in the pub or something like that. And whenever I've been done by it now, I just look up just with this dislo- displeasured look on my face, just known, knowing that I've been done. And Gary Lineker had that same look on his face, mm-hmm. uh, although his was actually, I suppose more of a what the hell is going on kind of thing is this just Mm. playing in my earpiece or is this actually playing out right now (laughs) and it was great it was wonderful telly and it was just some of the best bit of football action I've seen in a long time I think um, Ali McCoy summed it up brilliantly on TalkSport is that they can't even cut to ads on the BBC so Mm. they can't even just screw it away and get to the bottom of it quickly they've just got to persevere which is just incredible stubbornness as well and I think that's topped the moment off even better and I think the fact that it was Paul Ince and Danny Murphy two really serious pundits <laughs> they never break smiles when they're talking about football weirdly um, I just think that topped it as well, as well. <laughs> it'd be even better if Paul Ince took off his headset and said boom you've just been Paul Ince oh, yeah. and ran out the yeah. studio um, <laughs> even though he probably had nothing to do with it um Gotta say, the person who was behind it, I have seen the video, and he he seems like a bit of a charlatan. But we'll leave that there. Welcome to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, we're looking ahead to the big games in the championship this weekend. Justin and I will each make our predictions on a banker and a big upset in the championship this weekend, and see how we get on. See if Justin can improve his record. We'll also talk about some of the news from the past few days, including the sacking of Michael Appleton at Blackpool and which Yorkshireman may potentially be replacing him. And then we'll finish off with Diddy or Diddenty right at the end. So let's look ahead to the weekend, Justin. And the game of the weekend, without a doubt, is Burnley v West Brom. Two teams banging form right now, both very much in the top six right now. And you'd imagine both will finish in the top six. Burnley in particular look like they'll be at the top of the pile in that particular top six. A proper thigh rubber, isn't it? Over the last 10 game, game weeks, these two have racked up 18 wins between them, which is incredulous form, really, isn't it? What are you thinking ahead of this one, PG boy? I'm thinking it's it's going to be a tight affair. Um, I... I, I... I consider the fact if you go back to that game earlier on in the season with Steve Bruce in charge of West Brom and West Brom are actually by far the better team against Burnley and I think Burnley were very early on in there sort of working themselves out trying to get to grips with the system still um, and they still did okay but West Brom were um, were very good in that game um, they just did what they struggled to do under Steve Bruce quite often is put chances away and concede sloppy goals. Um, but you know, cut to now, and I think you know the West Brom train is finally rolling, um, and it gives Burnley 
a really difficult um, a really difficult test, one that they've not had to face just yet because I don't think they faced a team banging form. I think maybe just Middlesbrough, um, but again, that was quite soon after the, fest, uh, the, the World Cup break. Um, so, you know, teams are still getting up to speed, but I think that's the, probably the only team that they've had to face that have been in really good form. The test against Sheffield United didn't go particularly well, obviously, um, losing quite heavily away at Bramall Lane. Um, and I don't think this will be the same. But yeah, it'll be a tight game. And I think um, if Vincent Company can um, eradicate some of the complacency that set in last weekend against, um, it was Coventry, wasn't it? Yeah, Coventry. Um, then they'll be fine. But I think we may be getting to that point where they start to believe their own you know, abilities and promotion race, maybe. It, it, all promotion teams go through it. Um, and Burnley might be getting to that point. Well, the best chance West Bram have of getting something from this one is by soaking up all the pressure Burnley throw at them. Huddersfield's, um, Corbrand's Huddersfield team of last season was brilliant at just sitting back, absorbing the opposition attacks. And West Brom will need to do that here because they're not going to outpass this Burnley side. It's simply just not going to happen. Coventry showed at the weekend that it's possible to keep Burnley out for 80 minutes, even though Burnley eventually won via a set piece. If West Brom sit fairly deep, have the likes of Jed Wallace and Matt Phillips ready to counter at a moment's notice, then I think that's their best chance of getting a result here. It is going to be tough because Burnley have only conceded two in their last seven league games, which mm -hmm. is, I mean, wow. But West Brom have enough individual quality about them to make the most of those opportunities with the likes of DK up top, who will be ready to pounce on any lapse in concentration that the Burnley defence have. Having said all that, I can just easily see this being... Another win for Vinnie Kumps just because this Burnley team, they don't show any signs of stopping. Uh, Coventry at the weekend wasn't an amazing performance, but they're still just a ridiculously, ridiculously good side. They are. Um, I think it might, might. The only logic I can bring into it, because they've been so good, because they've been so efficient, is they've got to lose at some point or they've got to drop points at some point. Um, and when you're coming up against a team again like West Brom, um, where Again, if you're going for the title, if you're going for automatics, you say to those teams who are in good form and in a promotion race as well, if we just take points off of them, um, that suits us. Uh, and I think it will be more of that mentality. I think there'll be, um, I think obviously Burnley will still try and play their game and West Brom will try and um, try and manage the game as well. Uh, and, I, and I think that's where it comes to a point where it's like, okay, I can see a draw happening quite easily. Um, so yeah, I think if if you know it's, it's that sort of game where um, both teams have got to manage uh, manage it essentially, um, and it's it's going to be a difficult one. I don't think there'll be too many chances, which is why I think it will inevitably end in a draw um, because these games always do. They always flatter to deceive a little bit. I'm not sure it's inevitable. It will just end up being a draw, Justin. Um, but I think a draw would be a result which sort which suits both parties. I think Burnley will look at it and say, look, we've been winning game after game after game recently. We're miles ahead at the top of the championship. A draw against a West Brom side who are also banging form is OK. We can take that. Whereas West Brom will be loving life if they get a draw against the team who have been far and away the best in the championship this season. Having said that, I've seen so much of Burnley now that even when they're coming up against teams who you think, okay, this may be a tricky one. 
they've just pushed him aside and said, no, we're the big boys here. We are big bad Burnley and we will keep getting three points whenever we want. And I just think that may be the case here again. West Brom, if they keep it solid and manage to keep out Burnley for 80 minutes or so, then they'll be fancying their chances of getting all three points at that point because anyone who keeps Burnley out for that long has always got a good chance of getting something in the end. And West Brom, as I say, if they're ready to counter at a moment's notice, then they can get something here because Burnley have shown that when a team does sit back against them, they have to really, really work for it, even though they're so good they eventually get a win in the end, that they manage to get it over the line. But it does become a bit, a bit of a task for them. And West Brom are a very, very solid side, as we've seen recently under Corbyn. But I, I think I'll go for a Burnley win in this one, Justin, because I just think they're far and away one of the best teams we've ever seen in Championship history. Uh, and they'll just keep doing what they do. What score prediction are you going for, Justin? Yeah, they're, they're an incredibly good side and they are one of the best. Um, or they can be viewed as one of the best at this moment. Um, but I'm, I'm going with a draw. I think West Brom will take points off of them. And it's not a, it's not a bad thing for Burnley. I just think at some point that run's got to end. And as well as that, they're coming up against a team like West Brom, who are doing exactly what we expect them to, to, to do this season. They are competing for the playoff places. They're on a good run of form. Um, players are in form. Matt Phillips may be injured, but they've got quality everywhere. Um, so I think it will be a 1-1 draw. I think it will be a tight game. Again. I'll go for a 2-1 win to Burnley. I think West Brom will find the back of the net, but Burnley have shown that that doesn't really phase him at all. Um, let's go to our bankers then, Justin. It's time for Justin Peach's banker, ladies and gentlemen. Will the Justin Peach curse end? I think it's, is it four or five? Preview episodes now where you failed to get one right. I think we should also apologise in advance to whoever Justin picks here yeah, because uh, <laughs> I don't think I'd be wanting to be the name that comes out of your lips right now, Justin. Yeah, I mean, Luton fans, I, I don't want to uh, encourage people to stop listening, but skip the next two minutes because uh, <laughs> I'm picking Luton to beat Wigan. And again, it's incredibly logical to pick Luton to beat Wigan. Um uh, obviously, Luton are away from home. They're going to DW, uh, but they boast the fourth best away record in the Championship at the moment. And then you couple that with Wigan's home form being the worst in the Championship. You'd make Luton heavy favourites, right? I'm asking the question. You'd make Luton heavy favourites, wouldn't you? Um, they've won back-to-back away games, uh, so I'd be I'd be very surprised they don't come away from this game with a win. Um, throw in Adebayo scoring two games in a row um, and we saw last season once he gets going he's very difficult to stop and he's not quite had that um, that level of performance or that level of consistency yet um, and Rob Edwards is starting to get this attack to click which is exciting Harry Cornick's been in good form um, Morris is one of the best strikers in the division um, and then add to that again Kolotori is still trying to get to grips with this Wigan team he said that himself he's still he's still learning things about this Wigan side his Wigan side um, and it's not by, not his fault by any means but Luton are just far more advanced than Wigan so I'm going for the Luton win so in that case then I'll be betting on Wigan to win this weekend yes, yes um, that makes sense having said that I've just looked at the bookies odds and the moment you said Luton to win their odds have suddenly dwindled all of a sudden Justin so I don't know what's happened there um <laughs> My banker in the championship this weekend is Watford to beat Rotherham at Vicarage Road this this Saturday at 3pm. Watford, a strange side. Before the turn of the year, the alarm bells were ringing because 
they put in these extraordinarily poor performances and then all of a sudden they just flick a switch and they're all right again. It's very weird. They've just won back-to-back league games against Norwich and Blackpool. The most recent one against Blackpool ended up being fairly comfortable in the end, even if it did take them a while to break the deadlock. The main reason why I'm back in Watford, though, is because their new signings looked really exciting. Matthias Martins was a menace after coming off the bench and played a part in both of Watford's goals. He looks like he can definitely fill the Jao Pedro-sized gap in their team. And then Ishmael Lacone looked like a good attacking player for midfield. He had a couple of good moments at the weekend as well. Plus Watford, a strong side anyway, we know this. And they should be expecting to beat a team like Rotherham no matter what form they're in. And up until last weekend, Rotherham had picked up just a point from five games since the World Cup break. They had been the worst team in the league by miles, not just in terms of getting results, but playing terribly as well. That was until they beat Blackburn 4-0 last week and a result which did come out of nowhere. It was a very strange game though, and I thought the scoreline massively flattered Rotherham. Every shot they had seemed to just go in. So I'm not going to look at that game and say that's a turning point for Rotherham. I'll need to see a bit more for that to be the case for me. So I'm going for a comfortable Watford win this weekend as my banker. What do you think, Justin? There's just this anti-Rotherham agenda happening, isn't there? That's what Rotherham fans will tell us anyway. Um, but We've got another agenda against someone else. I need to keep track of all these at this point oh, yes. because oh, it's yes. hard to keep track. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it's it's it's... Um, a bit of an easy one. Rotherham's form has been terrible. The the Blackburn win was a... Um, I don't even know how to explain it. It was so out of the blue. Um, so, such a bonkers result. Um, and even then, they still didn't create a hell of a lot. They didn't have to because Blackburn was so poor. Um, but you'd expect the quality in this Watford team now to overcome the Rotherham side who will be lacking, or maybe not lacking in confidence, but if they if Watford, if Watford score first, certainly, certainly head will go down. Let's go to my biggest upset then, Justin. I've gone for Reading to beat Stoke at the Bet365 Stadium at 3pm on Saturday. The reason for that is because Stoke City are in trouble. They have been gradually getting lower and lower in the table. And I have no idea where it's going to end up. They've now lost three on the bounce is worth mentioning two of those defeats were to Burnley and Sheffield United, but it is just one win in seven for the Potters. The alarm bells are ringing in that part of Staffordshire. And I've spoken to a couple of Stoke fans this week and they've been telling me they feel as if this is the worst Stoke team they've seen since pre-Pulis. And I think there's some very good players here, but they're all underperforming. Dwight Gale, for example, we keep picking him out, Justin, as a particular Mm. example. But before Stoke, his record at championship level was amazing. And now he's gone to Stoke and can't hit a barn door. So there's no clear style of play at Stoke. And Alex Alex Neal must be wondering why he took this job. And most importantly for this prediction, Stoke have the second worst away record in the championship. Second... Second worst home record in the championship, I should say, considering the player at the bet 365. Seven losses from 13 games. It, their last home game against Preston, some of the boos were deafening, and it doesn't take much for the atmosphere to turn sour at the bet 365 right now. Reading travel there on Saturday and will fancy their chances. They've been in steady form, just two losses from seven. 
Paul Lintz's boys will run Stoke ragged and make them work their asses off to get anything from this game. It is worth mentioning that Reading's away form isn't great. It's the third worst in the league and no team has lost more on their travels than them. However, however, Justin, in their last four away games, they've won away at Hull and drawn away at Norwich. And they've got as good a chance of getting three points away at Stoke as they did in either of those games. So I'm backing a Reading victory here. I would have put this in a banker. I don't know why. Mainly because I think Stoke are absolutely terrible at the moment. Um, and as you quite rightly say, the atmosphere at Stoke. I've seen quite a few Stoke fans become apathetic towards the team, towards the club. Um, mainly because match day experience is terrible. Um, the communication from the club is terrible. The team is terrible. There's just a mixture of just downward spiral there at uh, Stoke. And it's a massive shame. And I, I, as I say, I'd, I'd have put this in a banker. I think Paul Ince has put together a team... You know, much to his credit, he's done a brilliant job. He's put together a team who want to work harder than the opposition. And Alex Neal hasn't got that yet at Stoke. So I think even if just effort levels are, are a minimum requirement to win this game, I think Reading will, will easily will easily overcome Stoke. And I think Tom Ince going back to the bet 365, he's bound to score a couple. He's yep. bound to score a couple. I hadn't considered that, but now you say it, yeah, Tom Ince put that on every single betting slip you've got Tom Ince to score this weekend. The reason it's a it's a big upset for me, Justin, is because for some reason Stoke are odds on to win yeah. this game. And I would not in any way, shape or form be going anywhere near that. But we're not a bad podcast, Justin. Let's go on to your big upset in the championship this weekend. What you got? Going for that, some, that sweet, sweet uh, craziness. I'm going for Hull to... Uh, Pick up a result for pick up a result against Sheffield United. Whoa, hang on. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here comes Justin Sane. <laughs> Uh-oh. Your alter ego is coming out again, yeah. Justin. Justin Sane, what have you got to say to us about this one? Explain yourself. I don't think it's that insane. Um, I don't think it's that that much of a bonkers shout. I think Huller on an upward spiral. That's wrong. Upward tra- trajectory. You can't spiral upwards, can you? It's that's bonkers. <laughs> this is what just insane does. He gets his metaphors mixed up as well. He's just so uh, insane. He's so out of control. Yeah, let no, me just calm down. Let's take a breath. Right, Hull to beat Sheffield United, or Hull to get a result against Sheffield United at the very least. Um, right, Hull, Hull are on an upward trajectory under Liam Rossini. They're, I think, they lost one in nine games under him, which is absolutely fantastic, and they're away form. Is actually pretty good. Um, they they go into Bramble Lane. It's a it's a Yorkshire derby as well. So, I mean, it's it's a sort of Yorkshire. Derby. Both teams are in Yorkshire, but derby is a is a loose term. It's what Sky Sports would do to market this game. Um, but I think yeah, as I say, Hull have been steadily progressing under Rossini. They've tightened up. Um, they've become more difficult to create chances against to score against. Um, they've got an unbeaten run of a. Uh, a way run of seven games which took me by surprise but as I say this is Rossini just ticking over um, and I thought Sheffield United had some complacency set in against Stoke they they took the foot off the gas Heckenbottom highlighted it he wasn't happy with how things dropped off the control in the game went in the second half the third goal came at a good time because Stoke were knocking on the door and I think Hull have got quality to punish that um, that lacks in concentration from Sheffield United and I know William and I has been back in training this week because he picked up a knock last week but whether he's fully fit it remains to be seen as well so I just think this maybe lends to um, or the narrative is lending to a to a whole a whole result here um, I do fancy him to win you've got Oscar stupid and banging form as well um, I do think it'll be a surprise result nonetheless I mean it's definitely very just and insane 
It's the most just an insane pick you can possibly do, picking a team to beat another team who have just won nine of their last yeah. 11 games. But that's what Justin Sane does. He's just out of control, people. Uh, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about some of the news from the past few days, including Michael Appleton sacking at Blackpool. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast, and now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news, and Blackpool have sacked Michael Appleton following a run of one win in 11 games. The Tangerines are second from bottom in the Championship. The first thing I thought when I saw this, Justin, was what strange timing. Hmm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, uh, my, my my thoughts on Appleton are um, slightly sideways, mainly because I, I do think he should have been sacked, but that should have probably been in the World Cup break or at least straight after the World Cup break when when tensions were as high as they were. That made sense because the run of form was terrible, the performances weren't great. Um, but I do sympathise with him because everything's just been set up for him to fail, essentially, which mainly makes you think he probably shouldn't have taken the job um, but yeah the timing is just is just bizarre I think coming into January they needed to add quality into that squad they did they brought in Rodgers and Bowler brilliant you expect them to um, yeah to, to start to perform now they beat Forest 4-1 in the FA Cup which was a ridiculous performance and result but the Watford game last weekend was just so flat they, they, you know, I thought Watford at one point were there for the taking and Blackpool just didn't just didn't go for it. They just played it safe, and eventually they lost. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, I think that's why. I think that's why he's been sacked. He's just too. He's just too safe um, with his. He doesn't. He doesn't come out of his shell um, with the team. And there's a lot of quality in this team to do it, and he just doesn't. It's weird because they they could have sacked him during the World Cup, but didn't. That made me think they must be willing to give him a chance afterwards, and things still didn't improve. But then they still didn't sack him. Then they allow him to sign three players in this window and now they sack him. So I don't know why they didn't just do it before. But it's not really a surprise to see this whole experiment fail. I can't really recall a time when a club appointed a manager for the second time after his first spell went so bad. And Mm -hmm. there are reasons why that doesn't happen very often. One being that he'll have to win around the fans even more so than any new manager usually would. And Michael Appleton's not the kind of guy who seems to care too much about what the fans think. So that was always going to be a strange one. Should they be doing better? Well, Neil Critchley showed last season that it's possible to keep essentially the same side away from a relegation battle. Maybe with the signings of Bowler, Rogers, Tribal, he would have helped Blackpool pull away from it because I think those three signings significantly improve this squad. But it was going to take a hell of a lot for Appleton to win over the supporters even if he kept them up. And I'm not sure he would have done it. So I suppose if that's the case, there's no point continuing with him because he's not the long-term option. He's not really helping in the short term, is he? Because they're not winning any games. So let's move to apparently his successor. According to footy insider, Mick McCarthy is set to replace Michael Appleton as the new Tangerines boss on a deal until the end of the season. And... That gives me a chance to bring back my Mick McCarthy impression. And <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've been working on it since you left Cardiff, Justin. I'm not sure it's any better. Uh, what do you think of this one? <laughs> what, your impression is? Yeah, it's terrible. Um, but the appointment, or the potential appointment, 
Um, <clears throat> yeah, the, I mean, the long pause is um, is one of yeah, great thought. I think I'm I'm trying to think I'm trying to um, spin it in a positive way. I think he's got experience. He's got <clears throat> experience of navigating teams out of away from trouble, um, but also I, I do think. His style, his style of play has been left behind by championship and by the championship, and I just think that there, may, there might be better appointments. I don't know, but what you what you can expect from Mick McCarthy team is is solid football and crosses into the box, um, and that that may may or may not get results. I think that the benefits he had at Cardiff were he had Kiefer Moore at his disposal. Um, but in the end, they just they just stopped creating chances, relied heavily on set pieces, um, and that is you know, one of the main symptoms of why Cardiff are so poor now going forwards is because the foundations were set by Mick McCarthy, unfortunately. Um, so I'm I'm not I'm not convinced to be honest with you. I like him a lot. I love him a lot. Actually, I think he's a brilliant man, but just think maybe time is time is up for him in football. Uh, well, in in, in the championship. I am a hell of a lot more positive about this appointment than you are, Justin. Blackpool need a firefighter. Mick McCarthy's ready. He's got the hose. He's got the uniform. Everyone's questioning where he got it from, but he don't care. Get Terry on the blower. They need to keep Blackpool up. Uh, Mick, is, Mick is often kind of a jokey figure, isn't he? Because he's so straight to the point and there's so many funny videos of him online. But you look at his managerial record, you won't find too many experienced heads with one as good as his. He got promoted with both Sunderland and Wolves. Did a very good job at Ipswich. The fans didn't like him, but as soon as he left, everything went to shit. Then at Cardiff, they were great for the first half of it, but maybe the problems there are a lot more, you know, drilled down to the core yeah. of the club than necessarily being down to Mick McCarthy. And, you know, things haven't gone exactly very well since he left, have they? Um, if Blackpool wants to get someone in to just keep them up, you won't get much better than Mick McCarthy. And I'd be fairly confident that they'd actually do it quite comfortably, especially considering how much the squad has been strengthened this window. So I think this is a bang on appointment. This is exactly what Blackpool need. I'm wondering what will happen if he does keep Blackpool up quite comfortably. Will they give him the job in the long term? How would I feel about that? Not too sure. But if the job is this season, just to keep Blackpool up, Mick McCarthy is the man. And he will do that, I think. I, I agree. Um, or I agree to an extent. I just worry that this the Blackpool back four, for example, is just not good enough as to what he needs. Like at Cardiff, for example, he had experienced heads like Aidan Flint, that was Curtis Nelson, Sean Morrison. Um, you know, these are these are good experienced players. I know that you know, Cardiff fans may disagree to, to to some extent, but they are solid defenders. Um whereas I think, you know, Ek Pateta is Probably, I think he's the only natural centre back. Um, Jaden Thornley was a full back. Um, uh, yeah, there are other examples, but I, I do think there are key problems here in in, in the team um, that probably stem past Mick McCarthy. And I'd like to see a different appointment. I'd, I'd look towards someone like Ian Everett, for example. He's got history with the club. He plays an attractive style of play, um, and he's he's very ambitious. And I think this Blackpool team has potential to. to you know, become a very solid championship team and I think that would be a good natural step for Ian Everett um, but if Mick McCarthy is the man they want to go to, go towards I think he, he's, a, he's a natural progression from Michael Appleton where it's quite rigid quite structured um, you know, very easily function um, with him in charge so it, it makes sense on paper but I just don't think um, 
I just I just think there are better better appointments out there for this team. They're proper. Pro- there are definitely better long term appointments, but if the job is you know six months, keep the club up. Thanks, Mick. See you later. Then that's good for Blackpool, and I'm guessing that's what the board are obviously thinking. I've got a lot more faith in the Blackpool board to make a mm-hmm. right decision than I have with other clubs who are down there. I think there are poorer run clubs than Blackpool, and. If they think this is the right move, then I've got faith in them. Obviously, that that trust has been somewhat eroded by the appointment of Appleton, which always seems a strange one. But with this, I don't see why it shouldn't work, to be honest, as I say. Mm. Um, Let's stick with the theme of managers, shall we? Dean Whitehead says he expects to still be in charge of Cardiff for their game against Millwall this weekend. This makes me think that maybe Neil Warnock isn't going to be getting the job justin but what cardiff do i don't really know because they're they're not a club with barrels full of cash are they especially having Mm. to pay out to nonce recently so where they go next is going to be really really interesting but maybe warnock isn't the man that uh, we expected it to be in transfer news there's been a surprising lack of transfer news actually as far as i'm aware there's only been one signing by a championship club over the past few days it's January, guys. Give us something for us to talk about. We're, we're scraping the barrel here. If it wasn't for Appleton getting sacked, this would have been a very short news section. At Huddersfield have brought in Watford winger Joseph Hungbo on loan. The 23-year-old winger has made seven appearances off the bench for the Hornets this season. West Brom chief exec Ron Gourlay has insisted the £20 million loan the club has taken out won't be squandered. He's promised they will only make one or two signings this window. Any quick thoughts on that, Justin? Uh, what a weird thing to say. <laughs> we're not going to throw money away. We need it. That's basically what that statement was. Um, but we were talking still- to Alistair last weekend, weren't we? And it sounds like this £20 million loan isn't just for you know splashing out on players. It's for the actual running of the yeah. club as a whole. So I think it's quite good that Gourlay's come out and said, we're not going to be spending this on some bench warmer from the Premier League. Well, I, I thought it was obvious. I thought it was to keep the lights on, essentially, because... We know that the the money coming from the owners is has has reduced, um, so yeah, I thought I thought it made sense. So it's just it's just a, you know, why would you squander money anyway? It's just a, I don't know. It's just a bad bad choice of phrase. I'm just getting getting picky with the choice of words that Ron Gourlay used. I think um, he, he should have just said we're not going to um, spend extravagant amounts on bringing players in. That would have probably made a better statement rather than we're not going to waste this money. We need mm-hmm. it. I think you're being very nitpicky, Justin, I don't know. And finally, of course, Mark Hudson was sacked as Cardiff manager over the weekend. Have you seen the video of him telling his kids? Absolutely heartbreaking, Justin. I I don't think I've seen a football video which has really, you know, really twisted my heart as much as that because I I nearly shed a tear. And then to make (laughs) myself feel better, I watched the... (laughs) Poor noise video on match of the day again. <laughs> but uh, have you seen the video? It's 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 horrible, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it, it, it's the human side of football, and I think we can get carried away with so oh, you know this form sackable. Um, but I mean, Mark Hudson says it himself. You know, that's football. It's it's really cutthroat. It is it is harsh, and you know, kids don't understand it. We we just like our sticker books, don't we? I say we we was, we were children once. Don't do it now. Um, but. You know, it's it's just it's just football, unfortunately. But yeah, it's terribly sad, and yeah, just gives gives um, gives insight into the human side of football management. I don't know where you got sticker books from, but we'll move on. It's it is a timely reminder that these people are human beings, aren't they? And when fans react to a sacking with gifts of 
mm-hmm. I don't know, Michael Scott spraying champagne or mm-hmm. SpongeBob SquarePants with an erection. It's it's worth <laughs> it's worth remembering somewhere there's a man who's got to tell his family that he's lost his job. And I'm not saying that means we can't talk about a sacking or say sacking a manager was the right decision to make, but perhaps some people will think twice after watching this video before celebrating these things like their sides just scored a last minute winner I don't know maybe I'm taking it too seriously but that's what I took away from it anyway um, guess what Justin now it's time for this did he? yes sir you mind telling me why the hell you never mentioned this before? Yes, it's time for Diddy or Didn't He. This is the part of the show where we have 10 players with various connections to the championship and a club. All we've got to do is guess whether they played for that club or not. He's got to have made a senior appearance for them. We take it in terms of guess them and we keep scores as the season goes on. This week, it's my colleague's turn to guess and my turn to provide the players and club with the scores 81-80 to Peachy for the season. Justin, you want the first one? Yeah. Aaron Ramsdale and Wickham. Did he or didn't he? I was on Ramsdale's Wikipedia not too long ago and it's quite short. So I'm going to say no. He didn't. You're correct. He had a loan spell at Wimbledon, but not Wickham. Yeah. So if I, got, if I went for Wimbledon, would you have got that? Yeah, yeah I knew he paid for Wimbledon. Okay, fine. I was hoping you get them mixed up. One out of one. George Savile and Bristol City. Did he or didn't he? That's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. <laughs> he obviously came through at Chelsea, which is, I think, everybody forgets. Um, he was at Wolves for a bit. Pretty sure he went to Brentford. Who was the team again? Bristol City. No, no, I don't think he played for Bristol City. Seven appearances on loan in 2015. Ooh. Tricky, that. Yeah, tricky. I, I never, ever knew about that one. Next up, one out of two. Harry Toffolo, Portsmouth. Did he or didn't he? Toffolo's career pre-Huddersfield is just one of great promise, then dip, then recovering his career again and playing mm. in, you know, in the Premier League. So anything before Huddersfield is difficult. I know he played for Lincoln and Norwich, obviously, but Portsmouth, I don't know. But there might be several appearances on loan there somewhere. So I'm going to say no. You're saying he didn't play for them? <laughs> just going off your face. <laughs> Hang on, you said there may be several appearances on and then... You scrunched your face as soon as I said it. So I think I was leading, I was going down one angle and then you were getting excited. <laughs> so the mind so what are you was, saying? I'm saying no, he didn't play for Portsmouth. He didn't, made it up. <laughs> good, um, good. <laughs> I didn't realise this game has got so much about mind games now that I've got to make now. sure it's poker. I've this got is to have a poker face poker. constantly. <laughs> Two out of three. Ryan Yates, Doncaster. Did he or didn't he? Doncaster's weirdly close to Nottingham. It's literally, I think it's just up the A46. I think it's A46 anyway. But you just go through Mansfield. I can't can't remember, but it's literally just through Mansfield and you're there. Um, Good road Mansfield. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mansfield's basically Nottingham. Um, So I'm going to say yes, loan spell. He didn't. Also made up. I know people not County. Two out of four. Next up, Kazenga, Loire Loire and Millwall. Did he or didn't he? He's a journeyman. 
He's a journeyman. No. He didn't. Made it up. So that's three out of five. Fairly good score so far. Next up, Craig Dawson and Borton. Did he or didn't he? Bolton? Borton. Yeah, he paid for Bolton. That's an obvious one. Is it? Yeah, he, he was there and, uh, and Dougie Friedman was in charge. I think they signed him from Wickham or Peterborough. He had a loan spell there in 2013. All oh, right. Well, I know he paid for him. All he right. was very good there. I think you've uh, kind of looked up on that one. Um, four out of six. Next up is Costel Pantillamon and Watford. Did he or didn't he? Nah. He, he seems to be a favourite. He seems to he seems to be a favourite of a, a Diddy or Dinty, don't he? Old Pantillamon. Yeah, long legs. <laughs> yeah, because I remember saying I saw him in Nottingham once, and he's as long as he is, and you know, as he is on the telly, as he is in real life, he's he's a massive human being. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I can't remember any of the clubs that he's played for other than Forest now. So I'm gonna just have to stab in the dark and say who was the team again? Sorry. Watford. Yes. He's there for two years and made two appearances. Who was he at? I it's, honestly can't remember. It's his City, wasn't he? It's City for ages, which just seems bonkers in hindsight. Um, and then who else? I don't, don't know who else he played for in England, but there you go. He'll come up again then, yeah. Next up, Jacob Butterfield and Crystal Palace. Did he or didn't he? And there might have been a loan spell there because um, he was at Norwich, wasn't he? Um, and then he was, he was shipped off quite a bit. So I think he was there for a loan spell for a month or two. Nine appearances on loan in 2013. You know when you do these and you think, oh, I've got some really good players here and then the other person Unravels just... Unravels quickly. Yeah. Next up, Jonas... Oh, it's uh, six out of eight, by the way. Next up is Jonas Gutierrez and Swansea. Did he or didn't he? Wow. I can only picture him in a Newcastle shirt, mm. which seems too obvious. Um, this is a psychological one. This is a... Well, if I say this, then it's going to be the opposite. Um, so I'm going to have to go with my gut and, and I'm going to go with he did play for Swansea. Completely made it up. Didn't happen. Mm. No, that was often not so easy as well. You, you just think these things are so easy. Some of them are so easy. You go, no, he's not that stupid. He's not going to put that in there. You were. He did, he did have a loan spell at Norwich, which I was uh, going to put in. But then I clever. thought, but then mind games, I was thinking, I thought you might say that's so, such a stupid one that he's got to yeah. have played for them. Um, <laughs> that's how uh, hard drilled this game is now. Uh, so six out of nine. And your final one, Justin, is Ivan Tony and Walsall. Did he or didn't he? Ivan Tony and Walsall? No, he had so many loan spells before he went to Peterborough. Um, but I can't recall Walsall being one of them, so I'm going to say no. He didn't. Made it up. So 7 out of 10 is your score this week, Justin, which is a very good score indeed, considering how poor we've been recently. That means the score for the season now is 88-80 for the season. Justin Peach got a healthy lead there, I would say. Uh, So there we go, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. Thank you for listening wherever you are. We'll be back again 
on Sunday to go through all the games in the Championship coming up this weekend. Some proper thigh rubbers in there. So we look forward to reviewing them all again and talking about how Justin has once again failed to get a prediction right in the preview episodes. <laughs> so this has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And as always, a big, big thank you for listening. Thank you.